0: Suffice. It's one nothing Montreal on a power play for another 50 seconds. Richards trying to scoot in there alone. A lock way out of the net. It pinballs to the crease. Stone.
1: Damn Brandon, Alex, Teddy, Manny, that's my team Try to drop the gloves with Jimmy, you get smacked to smithereens Take a flyer, this is Philly, greatest host you ever seen If you bleed in black and orange, then the pot is what you need What you mean? Truth be told, if you listen, it's gold. Jumping in the wagon, if you're coming, get in, grab a hold. If you're rolling, better be with the boys from the H Dub. Information, you can pin it. If you're winded, send us up. Bobby, Reggie, Bernie, Dave, Gary, call it love. Now who coming up? Cross Bullies, that's what's up. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the HW Prospect Show. This is the 8th installment of the show. I'm Jim, I'm joined by Ted from Phileas Flyer and Manny Benavides from Brotherly Puck. Ted, I didn't say your last name, do you want to be known as that guy or do you want to be known as Ted Brown?
0: Ted Brown is fine.
1: Ted, Ted Brown would be nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> So what's going on, guys? It's been a little while since we've done an HW show. Uh, I have this group together because we recently did a mock draft for Puck Pros, and I want to talk to uh, talk a bit, little bit about that later in the show. The first topic I really want to get to tonight, guys, and I'm gonna, just going to jump right in here, is the playoff format. And I want to kind of get Ted's perspective first here because, Manny, I've seen a little bit of what you've thought about it on Twitter. And I know you're hot a little bit over there. And uh, I do want to hear your perspective because I think it's an interesting one. Uh, But, Ted, your thoughts on the 24-team playoff format?
0: It seems fine on the surface. I mean, um, the only thing that's kind of wonky about it is the potential reseeding of the top four teams where it kind of diminishes the – impact of the best teams and how much space that they had between them and the other teams are right near them like boston is 11 points over everybody right so they could if they lose a couple of games they could be like the fourth seed or something i just thought that's a bit weird other than that it, it seems fine i have no real gripes that was about that's
1: it. the only issue that you have with it
0: Yeah, it seems
1: fine. Interesting. So let's talk about that for a second before we move on. And I'm going to throw something out to you guys real quick here. So what if it was like Boston and Tampa Bay? Because they were the closest two, right, for the top two seeds. What if it was Boston and Tampa Bay in a three-game series for the number one seed and then the Flyers versus Washington for the Metro, the number three seed is as high as they could go. What about something like that?
2: I don't know. Doesn't that kind of diminish the whole thing? I mean I don't I'm I'm not even sure about the reseeding aspect of it like I've I've listened to a couple of different podcasts today and it's like I'm uh, getting more information about you know, this format now. So even though it was supposed to be crystal clear, this is what we're going with. People still have questions about this thing. And I, I think that's actually kind of indicative that uh, Gary Bettman didn't really do the greatest job of, of rolling this thing out. And that, that teams like, you know, Carolina and Tampa Bay voted it down. There were the only two teams that did, but I understand what Ted was saying about the reseeding because that was news to me. I was like, wait a second. I thought this was like a bracket thing. And, you know, At first, it looked like the Flyers were going to play, you know, the winner of Pittsburgh and uh, Montreal. And then all of a sudden now it's like, well, wait a second. These teams at the top, you know, Boston, Tampa, Philly and Washington, they're going to play each other for seeding. And I thought, okay, at least that means it, it, it means something. I don't think you take the president's trophy away from the Boston Bruins by any means. They deserve it. I think it's just going to look a little different when it comes to you know the record books and record keeping when you look at the playoff format but if they're going to be reseeding those top 4 teams I don't understand what the point of even reseeding even playing those these games against each other is I thought the reseeding might and it's not even that reseeding is, is a guarantee, but I thought the reseeding was gonna come after the play in round and then they would kind of match teams up based on the regular season record and kind of reseed them in that way. But I thought the top four were the top four, based on you know, the top four guys facing each other. So this is like news to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the top four are the only ones, as far as I know, that can be reseeded. And I also don't know if their games against each other are going to go on or coincide with the play-in round either. So, yeah, there's a whole lot up in the air. And the more I think about it, the less I think that Gary Bettman made everything crystal clear. There could have been more... Minutia he could have delved into when he was talking to us everything
1: he said was pretty much what we've been speculating and reading about for at least a week or two right at least like like we didn't even need that and we would have pretty much knew how this was going to look right
2: yeah. I mean, listen, I, I get why it's 24 teams. I Listen, the league has to open this up to as many teams as possible realistically in order to try to get as many eyeballs on television watching in order to recoup as much as they can. And I get that. And I don't think it really cheapens it at all. I don't buy that argument. I I like the fact that the you know the buy the play in round pardon me is going to be a 5 game series when when they said best of 3 I went whoa all mm. it takes is for a team to come out of the gate and jump over a team that's not as prepared, and all of a sudden they win one more game and and a big team's out? Like, that sounded kind of ridiculous. But I'm glad they're going with a five-gamer. I just thought, again, Gary Bettman covered his bases a little bit by going, well, maybe the first round and the second round will be a best of five. But no matter what, the last two rounds are going to be best of seven. And right when he threw that in there, I go, oh, boy, here we go. Like, uh, you know, Dan mentioned it yesterday on BPW Radio. He goes, that's where people are going to say asterisk. Because you need four seven-game series to win the Stanley Cup. Now, all of a sudden, if it's two five-game series, two seven-game series, and a play-in, people start to to ask questions. And you don't want to cheapen it in any way. Like, you want everybody to be on Neva even keel, which they will be. Teams are all going to be healthy, pretty much. Although, I just read that Bukestad is going to be out again for the season so no matter if they come back he's going to be gone so take that penguins but um he's
1: still with them right like i forgot he was still there
2: yeah i mean he was such a promising player with the florida panthers too he's kind of uh You know, kind of hasn't done really much in the last, uh, you know, two years or so. But uh, listen, overall, the 24 teams, I don't mind it. And I know teams like Chicago and Montreal had such a small chance to get into the playoffs that it didn't make sense anyways. But you needed those teams in just to just to give it a little bit of, uh, you know, mystique and, and to get extra people watching. So I get that. I just think that the rules and the clarity here. A little strange the, you know, the rules are going to be, you know, overtime and shootout for the top four teams when they play each other. And I get that it's an extension of the regular season, but you know, I don't know. I just thought it could have been rolled out a little bit better, more impactful. Yeah, I agree.
1: I was a little bit let down by, you know, the quote unquote announcements. So, cause like I said, it's, we didn't learn anything new. The only new things we learned were the potential hub cities. And even that we didn't have, you know, a definite thing. Like nothing was definite. You know, it was all basically Bettman repeating what we've all been reading for the last couple weeks. Don't get me wrong. I'm still excited that, you know, he came out and made the announcement because that means it's kind of, it's real, you know. I'm excited for hockey. I put out a little tweet earlier. I would even be okay if, you know, obviously the play-in round was a best of five. I'd be okay if the first round was the best of five because you still have to win three games, you know. It's one less than four, but... Uh, this it's like un, unheard of circumstances that we're in, and like, kind of have to adapt a little bit. Like, and I'm thinking the only reason I want a, a first round best of five is because I'm thinking about next season already. And I'm like, I want things to go back to normal as soon as possible, but I also want a hockey now at the same time, you know. So I know that's asking for a lot. So if they have to rush through these playoffs just to give out the Stanley Cup. I'm for that. Like, I, I won hockey, but I, I, am I making sense there? Like, I, I won hockey, and I want them to do the best of sevens and whatever, but, you know, you can kind of breeze through the first round a little bit. You know, it's only two less games tops, best of seven compared to a best of five, right? So you probably cut out at least three nights of hockey, like three three nights of the playoffs. Maybe that doesn't make that much of a difference. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. If they end, if they end the season and the playoffs in the end of August, then we're definitely not seeing hockey again till December. And then what happens with next season? Is it condensed? Is it, there's going to be a lot of back to backs? Like that's going to factor in like next season could be like another, like, well, this is not a real season. Like everyone's playing back to backs and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. There's going to be, there would be a lot of injuries, I think.
0: For next season or in the playoffs?
2: potentially both well yeah I mean I don't want to see a a league you know the NHL start in December I think uh, you know like hockey is ultimately it's a winter sport I mean it should be played in winter fall and winter months um when you start getting into you know July and August kind of territory I mean people were pissed off when you know the Stanley Cup was awarded you know June 28th or or whatever it was like late in June um you know, I I don't know about how you guys feel down in the States, but definitely up in Canada, it's like we want to get outside and, and enjoy the summertime and, and the hot weather. And, you know, wintertime, it's okay. You're cooped up, you know, got the fireplace going, you got the hockey on TV, and it's great. But, uh, you know, summertime is more for, you know, getting out there and, and just enjoying the weather. Once you start getting into, you know, July and August, like, uh, like that's just – it's like a gut shot. I just feel like – I'm not going to get into it as much. I'd I'd rather see, you know, if it's, if it's delayed for October, that's cool. But, you know, November, I think would be a realistic startup, like mid November, even uh, right around remembrance day here in Canada, which is the 11th. But, I mean you can't really go too much later than that because then you're going to start to have a trickle down effect for next season and then you know I could see next season if if they start up as soon as possible with a 5 6 week break or whatever it was 50 days I think the players asked for for an off season you're going to see like the teams with veteran players the older teams probably going to be real beat up because they're going to get tired quicker. They're, they don't have the legs that the younger guys do. So it will make a difference. It'll definitely impact next season for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree about it starting next season in November. I think when if you get to December or January, then it's just kind of like, are we going to be forcing these guys to play 82 games in like three, four months? That seems Insane. So I think November gives them a little bit of an off season.
1: Yep, and and again, that's kind of my thinking. Like as much as I, and this is my selfish, you know, fan opinion here. Like as much as I I do want to see hockey in July and August, like because there's literally nothing else. Like it doesn't look like there's going to be baseball. You know, I haven't heard anything about basketball coming back. I would love to watch hockey in July and August but I on on the other hand I want to see it start on time next season too and you know that's just a selfish fan speaking from a player's point of view that sucks you know and and to literally have no time off what I haven't heard and let me know what you guys think about this what if they did start in November and they had like a two-week break you know how they they take the olympic break at some point i think it's in like january or something whenever the winter olympics are what if they did like a you know they played a ton of games and then they get like a two-week off span of where there's just no hockey and then they come back and finish the season like i haven't heard anything about that and i'm just throwing something out there
2: Yeah, that would be an interesting idea. I I think that for the sake of timing and finishing the seasons, I'm pretty sure that the owners definitely want to, you know, cram in as many games as possible over the course of, you know, those months. Um, That being said, the players definitely, after all of this, I mean, the argument that the NHL always has with, you know, they missed out on the, you know, South Korean uh olympics the winter olympics in south korea they didn't go and then there was talk that yeah they weren't really going to go to china either in in 2020 and obviously now with the covid thing it's it makes it even more in doubt would players want to leave their families to go overseas for something like that but the argument is there the players love going to the olympics they love those big kind of tournaments and they're going to sit there the next cba and go look we need this in the agreement like If you're willing to take, you know, months off at a time in order to save a season, you can give us three weeks. You can do that for us. Like that, 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 that's the long and the short of it. And I can see the bye weeks being, you know, disposed of next year. Um, you know what? They're going to try to fit as many games in as possible, and the the selling point is it's the escrow payments for the players, and and the salary cap, and and all the other little things that get linked in. You know, it's not going to hit, you know, the the, the high paid guys. It's not going to hurt McDavid and Drysital and and you know Matthews and all these guys. It's going to be the guys that are the mid tier guys, and especially the guys at the bottom. When you look at free agency, you know, a guy like Derek Grant, who was having a phenomenal year all things considered. I mean it was what 15, 16 goals. Gets traded at the deadline. He's making league minimum. He's like seven hundred fifty thousand or 70,0. He's looking for a, his big pay bump was going to be this year. He probably would have gotten, you know, two million bucks, 2.5 million maybe. You know, you he's was on pace for, you know, 17, 18, 19 goals, and now Teams are just going to be signing, you know, the guys that they need to sign. And then a guy like Derek Grant's going to be circling around there and teams are going to try to circle back and try to pick him up for for a bargain deal. And he's going to sign a one year deal. And, you know, will he have the same amount of goals next year? I I hope so. He's a nice little player. But this was his payday. Like this was his time to really get, you know, a nice little contract going, get a couple years under his belt, stick around with the same team for a few years. And earn his stripes and earn his keep, but you know now this this whole thing's throwing players like that under the bus. Like there's going to be a whack of them in free agency. You is going to get his money, I'm sure, and so will Tori Krug. But there's going to be a whack of the smaller, you know, lesser known guys, the depth guys that are just going to be there, and and their future is really uncertain.
1: Interesting points right there, and I'm wondering if, and we're going to get to prospects, guys, don't worry. I wonder if Chuck Fletcher was being proactive in all this, in signing a player like Landis – I'm sorry, uh, Linus Sandin. You know, maybe he's a little bit out ahead of some of this stuff. Just a thought there. Uh, Ted, if you don't have anything to add on to what Manny was saying, we can move on to our next topic.
0: Yeah, um, you covered – Pretty much everything I wanted to talk about, so it's all good. We can go okay
1: on. Sure. Well, let's move on a little bit here because we were all involved in a mock draft over the weekend for Puck Pros. Uh, we did – what did we do? Two rounds of drafting, guys. I know Manny had the Ottawa Senators. Ted, which teams did you have?
0: I had the Colorado Avalanche, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Wow. Did you find that as more of a challenge, drafting for three different teams?
0: Uh, not really. I just picked the players who I'm actually, I've actually watched, so I'm kind of glad that the board fell the way it did. It's like, hey, I've seen this guy before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I kind of want to get to Manny's picks first, because Manny, you were a little bit creative in the draft. You made some moves. Uh, Why don't you take us through some of your picks and some of your uh, your trades for the Ottawa Senators?
2: Okay. Um, well, first of all, it was really fun doing the draft with you guys. Um, I wasn't even aware that Ted had three teams. In fact, I thought that the most that people had was two. Um, So that kind of plays a role. I I thought that it was a bit confusing um, at first because. Because the the rules kept changing. Uh, right when we got into this, and I signed up for Ottawa, and then I, you know, I knew that they had a lot of picks. But then I was like, I was really getting into like, I want to know what what they're actually thinking of doing. So I was like going on like senators' websites and and trying to get like what the fans were kind of talking to. I was tweeting a couple of uh, Ottawa senator podcast guys and finding out what like what's going on. I, and I saw like an interview with you know Eugene Melnick saying, look, we've got a lot of picks but we don't mind moving them. Like we want players now. Like, and he, he, he mentioned something like we want to be in playoff contention for this year. And I went, yeah, okay. That's not happening. But (laughs) I do think that with the number of picks that they had and they still have, they're going to have nine in the first three rounds, uh, two, sorry, three in the first four in the second and two in the third. Um, they're going to try to move some of those picks for roster players. And especially when you look at they traded... Um, oh, gee, what's the guy's name again? The French-Canadian guy um, to the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, at the yeah,
0: deadline. yeah.
2: Pajot. Pajot, thank you. Uh, you know, they traded him at the deadline. they they're still got to re-sign, uh, you know, some RFAs and stuff uh, to, to get some bodies on their roster. But the Senators are in a really nice spot. I mean, they've got a top five farm system right now, the prospect pool, they're going to be adding to it big time in this draft. And literally when it's all said and done, um, they are going to have the best prospect pool in hockey uh, when this draft is over. There's no question about it. Um, I I was kind of frustrated because, and I know it was hard to get all the, everybody together for that mock draft, but um, with life being what it is, I thought that this was going to be like an hour and a half, kind of thing and then all of a sudden like 40 minutes before the draft i get this message like oh we can trade players now and i'm like there goes all the prep work that i kind of wanted to do and then it just it went out the window and i started frantically messaging jim i go what do you want for shane Gossesbear? what do you want for robert (laughs) Haig? what do you want for i was just picking names like i need to make some trades here and um you know, it just kept kind of changing. I mean, there was an issue with the draft. We originally had Minnesota drafting first, I think. And I was like, who did this? Like, there's no way Minnesota is going to draft first overall. Like they're going to be in the playoff format here. So yeah. it was, it was a bit frustrating uh, on my part. And the, the time commitment for me, you know, the family was, you know, wanted to do some stuff in the afternoon and. I started kind of just dealing away like the, the second and third round picks kind of just to just to trade up. I originally wanted to get in. So so I picked third and fourth overall. So first was, you know, Lafreniere. No surprise. Second was Byfield, who I was hoping would slip to third, but uh, not the case. So I ended up taking Stutzel at number three. Um and then with number four, I decided that even though the Senators were loaded on defense with, uh, you know, Bronstrom in, in you know, basically making the Senators now, but they also have Thomas Chavot. So they've got a top pairing pretty much right there. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Bernard Dockers, a nice little uh, player. He should be a, a second Pairing guy going forward, so I just thought, you know what, what the hell? I'm going to take the best defenseman in the draft, and I went and I got Jamie Drysdale uh, just to do that. And then my original plan was try to make some combination of of picks to trade up, and I wanted to really address a need that the Senators are going to have, and that's in goal. And I wanted to get Askarov. So that was that was basically the idea behind Mad Manny's trades. It was almost (laughs) like Mike Milbury esque.
1: You know, I think if you could nab uh, Stutzel, Drysdale, and Askarov, all in the first ten picks or something, that'd be a friggin', like, like, you can't do any better. Like, top three offensive player in the draft, top defensive player, and top goalie in the draft. Come on.
2: Yeah, that's some good stuff right there.
1: Yeah, that would have been a friggin' bank heist if you could have got Askarov.
2: Yeah, that's, that was the plan. But you see, much like I didn't know that Ted had three teams, I, I knew he had Buffalo and I knew he had Vegas. I didn't know about Colorado until just now. But um, going in, so all of a sudden I get this trade offer. And they, it goes like, oh, uh, what do you think about uh, trading me You know, this number 33 overall and, and, and pick number 21? And it was the Florida Panthers who were picking 14. And I'm like, oh. Askarov might might get to 14. Like there's a small chance, but and then uh, I I'm looking at this guy's profile and he's like making picks for. Uh... He he also offered me a Vancouver trade offer and I'm like oh good this guy's got Vancouver and Florida and I told him I go you know what I'll make the deal if this guy if if the guy I'm thinking of is going and then next thing you know he's like Chicago. He, he, he was also picking for the Blackhawks. And I'm like, hey, my uh, my, my guy's still there. So if you want to make that tr- that trade, because there's only like two picks to go. So we made the deal. And all of a sudden, the Chicago Blackhawks take Askarov. And I went, oh, there goes my guy. So it was over.
1: <laughs> I didn't think that he was going to fall to 12, first of all. And I definitely didn't think the Blackhawks would have taken him. But I guess they do kind of need a goalie, don't
0: they? Yeah, they have Corey Crawford and some dudes being guys, guys being dudes. Just
1: just some guys. So, Ted, take us through some of your picks, because you had quite a few.
0: Okay, so with the eighth overall pick for the Buffalo Sabres, I was able to nab Alexander Holtz, and I was surprised that he didn't get picked earlier, but very glad because Jack Eichel needs – so much help on that team. He kind of let everybody know that in not so many words today. And Holts uh, has probably a top two, top three shot in the entire draft. He's going to be a menace for NHL goaltenders. Um, so I went with him there at eighth overall to the Sabres. Um, but the Vegas Golden Knights. I selected William Wallinder, 24th overall. He is just waiting to be molded into what he can become. He's very raw, but there are so many tools there that if it all comes together, he'll be a bit of a monster at the NHL level. Um, Great skater, very big, great puck skills. Yeah, just there's a lot to like about this player. So I was glad nobody picked him up. And um, with the Avalanche, I picked 29th overall, and I selected Helga Grants. I
1: love Helga Grantz. Big Granz.
0: right-handed defenseman. Um, like his physical tools, there is a lot there that could be molded and developed over time if the team that selects him puts the time in to develop him properly. So uh, I thought, and pretty much end of the first round, why not swing for the fences a little bit and get someone who could be a big-time contributor at the NHL level. And uh, my last pick, I was surprised he was still on the board, was uh, Brendan Brisson. And he's probably one of my favorite centers in the entire draft. Wow very smart player he drove any line that he was on on the chicago steel the chicago steel were ridiculously good this year in the ushl and uh he was the driving force behind that team so uh, i was very glad that he was still around yeah the one thing that none of you degenerates did was trade with me i was trying so hard <laughs> You know what I saw,
2: I saw that because it actually you know the wife was good like we gotta take the kids out for a walk because you know they they driving me nuts they're just running around and I'm like but I'm still drafting here like the, and it's like okay I gotta start trading these picks because I'm getting the eye so I'm out walking and my phone keeps buzzing I'm like oh good people are making picks and it was you going like okay guys Buffalo wants to trade like you know the second round <laughs> pick here and like and like everyone was offering you like these these dirtbag offers and I was like poor Ted. <laughs> You guys are offering him like third round pick for like a second round pick. I'm like, how's he gonna do that? Like, come on.
0: Exactly. I was like, come on, you gotta do better than that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let me give you the third round
1: pick and a two round mock draft.
2: And the best is you can kind of sense the frustration in Ted because the next message was like, "All right, forget it. I'm just gonna make the pick." (laughs) 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 And then he just went and made the pick. I wish I
1: had known that you could trade players like the whole draft. And I don't know why it didn't click in my mind during the draft to ask once I started to see players being traded that, oh, I can trade bear now. Because there was like a, the week leading up to the draft, you couldn't trade players, right? Yeah. Because we yeah. Were, remember we were joking like, hey, hey, anybody want uh, what can I get for ghost and a first right, or a second? And you laughed at me <laughs> and and, uh, you know, what the one of the guys that was organizing the draft said, hey, you can't trade players. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that sucks. No problem. And apparently you could trade players. I would have traded Ghost a long time ago before I moved them. So now it looks like, you know, not so great of a move. If anybody cares that's listening, I traded Shane Bear for a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick, which I don't think's terrible. What do you guys think? Two second-round picks for a Shane Bear.
0: That's pretty good value.
1: Do You think it really is? Are you not just saying that just to uh, make me feel good?
0: No, no, I would never do that to you, Jim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little surprised. I thought, uh, I, I thought Ted that you would have thought that there would be a, you could get a little bit more out of Shane Gossespeare. fair. I, I posted oh. like just a poll, just a poll. I'm not saying that I would have done it, but I, I posted something on Twitter like, would you trade, you know, the 26th overall from the Flyers and Ghost? to move up to 21 to Ottawa. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you know, Ottawa wants players. They can take on salary. They've got tons of cap room just to get to the floor. They've got like $25, $30 million to go. So they're going to, they could take on salary and bad contracts. They, they could do that. And and I'm like, you know, and everybody, it was like, it wasn't even close. It was like 87% said, no, you're, that's crazy. You could totally get way more than that just to move up five, six spots. And I was like, I was just asking, <laughs> I'm not saying I would do it. I just wanted to know what the people thought. Yeah. I did not know about this poll.
1: It's an interesting question because if you, if you're following, you know, the, you know, mock drafts and, you know, if you are li- if you've been listening to the prospect show, Moving up five spots in this draft is a big deal. Yeah. It's a pretty deep draft, but between 20 and 26, like there's still talented players late in the first round, but there there is sort of like a, a little bit of a drop-off, right? And if you can move up to the 19 to 21 spot, you're almost guaranteed to get a a very, very – a uh, good player with, with, with high upside or at least at the very, very least a high ceiling, you know? So I Great. thought your poll was was like a well thought out poll and the responses that you were getting on there. I was like, they have to either be saying this because, you know, they're not listening to our show, number one, or they really, really extremely over, overrate Shane bear. you know, like you're still thinking of the guy from a couple years ago. And we all want him to return to that form. Like we're not saying trade him because we we don't like the guy. I don't think he I don't think that he can return to that form in the role that he's going to have with the Flyers moving forward. So to package him with the 26th pick where you might get a player, you know. Now you're going to get the guy you want. You're taking the initiative to go out and get a guy that you want as opposed to a guy that may fall to you. And I would do that. I really would. And if Shane Gosses Bear goes and puts up fifty points next season, that's fine because he wasn't going to do that here. He, he's not.
2: Yeah, Are I you? mean, it's one. It's one thing if he's going to be playing top pair, or even middle pair with you know, as a as a power play quarterback, he's not doing that here. So I mean there's no way that he's going to get, you know, 40 50 points in an orange and black uniform. It just isn't happening. But listen, he is a fan favorite. I mean, everybody loved Shane That Those ghost bombs were great. But just the last, you know, 2 years or so have been kind of meh. Like you're not really seeing, you know, the guy that that took our, you know, hearts. Uh, you know, when he burst onto the scene, and uh, and scored all those amazing game-winning goals and skated up the ice like the way that he did. And I, I do think that he's going to surprise some people if and when the NHL returns uh, here in the postseason. But I don't know. When when I look at the the contracts, and I just did a, an article with the RFAs and and what might happen to the RFAs based on a flat cap at 81.5 million. When you look at a team like the Flyers, I mean, you ask the fans, yes, bring back Pitlick. We love Pitlick. Okay. Bring back Braun. Okay. You still got to sign Hag, and I, and I know people hate Hag or whatever, but listen, he's going to get re-signed um, unless he gets packaged in a trade somewhere, so there's money there. I mean, yes, you're going to lose, you know, the Chris Stewarts and stuff like that, but you're probably going to lose Derek Grant, even though people want him signed too. You know, Everybody's reaction is, well, it's okay, we'll let Nate Thompson go. And it's like, <laughs> no, you don't understand. You're not going to be able to sign all those guys. Yeah. It just isn't happening. Plus, you got Patrick. Plus, you got Lindblom. It's just not happening. You got to make money somewhere. And it's going to mean, you know, Brian Elliott. I don't know. Sign him. No, don't sign him. I, I don't know. But you got to find the money somewhere. And, I mean, if you could trade up in, you know, five, six spots in in a, in a pretty competitive close draft class once you hit yeah like you said jim once you hit that 1920 spot you can probably get the last i'm not saying the last good player around but it opens up some possibilities for where you want to go
1: yeah you're taking the initiative instead of you know letting things play out you know and like you like you were just saying they they're gonna have to make a roster move so why not make a roster move and go out and get a, a good young player to put in your system because they're missing that premier... I mean, I'm not counting Morgan Frost because I'm I'm assuming he's going to come up and, you know, challenge and I'm hoping make the Flyers next year. They're missing, aside from Bobby Brink, and, you know, time will tell if he's going to be a premier offensive talent, but they're the Flyers are missing that pr- premier offensive player in the pipeline, I think, and... This is their opportunity to go out and get one. There's some names out there around uh, 19, 20, 21. Ted, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, um, I would actually make that trade that was in the uh, poll. Um, the last two years, Gossesper just has looked something wasn't right, like he's injured. And, I mean, obviously, now we've heard the last couple months or whatever about his knee being an issue. And he just hasn't looked like the same player, that same player who could get everybody out of their seats and get excited. Um, he just kind of labors out there. Maybe that's just me, but that's what it looked like. And um, and I hope he gets healthy um, because he's a serious difference maker when he is. Um, but, yeah, I would make that trade. Um, and... If there was a player like Seth Jarvis who fell down Ugh. in the draft around that nineteen twenty-one range because um, a bunch of teams decided they needed to get their defenseman, I would make this trade. Could 100. you imagine? 10 out of 10.
2: Yeah, and I agree because I remember seeing a tweet of yours, Ted, where you said that it's highly likely that there will start to be a run on defensemen, and I actually do agree with you 100. I think there will be once, once, and I kind of did that too when I when I was Ottawa and I picked Drysdale. It was kind of like I I kind of wanted to see, okay, where is Sanderson gonna go now? Because he's probably the next guy, uh, defenseman off the board. You know, where is Wallander gonna go? Where are some of these other guys gonna go? And is there gonna be a little bit of a panic run in those teen? late teen kind of picks where they, where teams go, oh my God, they just took this guy. Okay, we got to take Brent, Caden Gooley now. We got to get him now because he's like the next guy uh, that's left. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get each closer and closer to 21 and it leaves some forwards out there. And even if you get to twenty-six, where 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 Jim drafted, then it leaves some forwards out there. You know that makes a big difference. I was I totally agree with you, Ted, when you tweeted out that teams overvalue the defensemen in drafts, and and in a way, this is the perfect draft for that. Like it's Drysdale is the clear-cut top guy, and then there's a bunch of you know sec- like close guys, but not really that close, and then there's a whack of guys after that. And I want to know how many of that wacky guys is going to get taken in the first round.
1: It's going to be interesting. So real quick before I forget. So I did draft as the Flyers. I picked at 26. I think the next one was at 52. And then in the gossip spare trade, I got, I think, one of the very last picks of the second round. And, uh, you know, I make believe 2021 second round pick. And I, I felt that even though, you know, it was only two second round picks, one was very late. I think that's okay value for Shane Gosusbear right now. Now everyone's going to say, "Oh, no, no, cuz he's got potential to put up 65 points." And I hear you. I get it. I I understand that. But he hasn't been that guy, and I think two second round picks for him is still pretty solid. And you know, as we mentioned already, this this draft is fairly decent. Like there's still some very very good players to choose. At the end of the second, there still would have been some very good players available to pick in the beginning of the third round. I was shocked. You know, like you guys mentioned, there could be a run on defensemen. That that run kept going. Into the second round, there's going to be some good players that are going to fall in this draft. So I was lucky to have uh, Zion Nybeck fall a little bit. He's a, a Swedish forward, a little bit smaller, five foot eight, But he's built kind of like Albe Kubel. I think we talked about him on the show with, uh, with Alex. Uh, a couple episodes back. I think he's a prototypical Elaine Vigneault player. Great work ethic, plays hard, grinds the wall, good and close. Uh, he's got a good shot, uh, shifty speed, fantastic, fantastic penalty killer, and he works in the defensive zone and sets up teammates. So what did you think about – what do you, if the Flyers do end up drafting Zion Ibeck at 26, would you be okay with that pick, Manny?
2: Yeah, I would. I totally would. Uh, there, you could do a lot worse at 26, um, depending on which way you go. I thought it was a good pick. And actually, the first thought, right when I saw you make that pick, I go, Jim's a good listener. Because I remember Alex Appleyard raving about Zion Yeah. And uh, I think that your next pick in the second round was another guy that Alex also. Was yeah. Justin Justin Yep. Was your so- second round pick?
1: Yep. And I think we even talked about him with uh, with an episode with Dan. Dan was looking for that, you know, that kind of grittier, uh, like Tom Wilson type player. Now, I don't know if Sourdiff is all that, but uh, he definitely brings some some grit to the table. And it's something that I guess when I think of grit on the Flyers now, I'm thinking of uh, Scotty Lawton or uh, I guess a, like a Travis Konechny type player. Like, that's grit today, right? Uh, so, Sourdiff is a player who could thrive in the NHL. Uh, he makes all the necessary plays at the right times, hardworking, two way player with great awareness offensively as well as defensively. You know, if you go check the Flyers' track record when they draft prospects, it's, you know, fantastic two way players. It's like one of the first things they say. Uh, can play both wing and center. Uh, As well as throw the big hit or two, he's the player missing from the Flyers roster currently. So obviously it would take him a little bit to to get onto the roster, but when you you think about the Flyers system, they don't really have anybody that can throw the body. At least no one that comes to mind right away. No. You know?
2: Yeah, definitely not. I don't I don't know if I would, you know, use a first round pick or, or even a second round pick for a guy like that because a lot of guys end up changing their game when they're in the ahl because they see how physical it is and and how you know the rigors of that league for you to make that jump to pro like it's it's a hard lesson on what it takes to be a professional hockey player and like you could have been a, a you know a guy that scored lots of points in junior and then you get to the ahl and you just realize that physically you gotta you gotta really man up and and that can change people's games and then you start to get like those grinder type players, those real power forward kind of guys start to kind of emerge. And I guess, you know, when, when you had uh, Isaac Ratcliffe on, I mean, he's the first guy to tell you, he didn't have, you know, the season that he wanted, but he's learning a lot. And you could see that he he's, he, I think appreciates that journey a little bit and realizes that it's in the long run, it's going to be good for him. It's going to be good for him to know how to deal with, you know, streaks of, you know, eight or nine games where you're not scoring or, you know, you don't feel like you're, you're, you're doing enough out there. He's a big boy and he's going to grow into that frame. And when he does, you know, the Phantoms are going to be a better team for it. I, I have no doubt in my mind.
1: For sure. hundred percent agree. I, I, I can't wait for, uh, I always want to call him Theo Ratliff. And then I'm looking at my next prospect that I drafted here and it's like, his name's Theodore. So Theo Ratliff. So Isaac Ratliff, I can't, I'm just excited for him before he went to the Phantoms. I know we were just saying he sort of had a down year, but started coming on towards the end there. I'm excited to see, he's one of those guys like, okay, let's take the next step now, Isaac, you know, let's move on to the pick that I used from the Shane Goss' spare trade. And I got I was able to select Theodore Niederbach. Now, if this kind of guy wasn't available, I'm not sure I would have traded for the pick still. Uh, so Niederbach is another Swedish player. He's a center currently, but the from what everything I read, is he'll likely transition to a wing in the NHL. He has top six upside, something the Flyers currently lack, I think, in their prospect pool, you know uh he possesses outstanding passing skills is extremely creative with the puck when I see when I see a creative player I'm like that's what the flyers are missing uh I had him as a player that could have gone in the first so I was pretty like I said I would not have made the gossip move if I didn't see niederbach still on the table so and you know it's a mock draft and i wasn't sure that we could trade players till halfway through the second round so i'm like hey why not trade gossip let's see what happens
2: yeah i mean why not yeah it, that's the one thing with like it was fun and it was fun meeting all these different characters and and getting into character and, and doing this research and you know i ended up recognizing a lot of the names still that were there in the second round and stuff which is good because i really didn't uh You know, I I didn't watch too many guys outside of the teams that I focused on uh, that that were related to, you know, Flyers prospects um, and, of course, any of the guys that they ended up playing. But it was good to see like all those the name recognition and seeing that, you know, there's still going to be guys there in the second round that you that you kind of like and and that are there and that have that upside that you were mentioning. It was totally good.
1: Yeah, so it it should be interesting. A lot of fun. You, you were right. There were some characters in there, weren't there? What I was surprised about, though, because and, – and I was kind of, like, egging some guys on, you know, because so, I saw somebody say something like the Shane Goss bear was a really, really good deal for whoever got Ghost. And, you know, that's fine. Like, people have their opinions and stuff, but I'm <laughs> – I think I chimed in with Shane Goss Bear stinks. Like, that was my counter yeah. to that. And I was, sh- was kind of shocked by the responses that I got. Oh, no, he doesn't, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude – Like, we watched Shane Gosses bear like, every other night for, for like, six months. Like, he he stinks. And, like, I I was perfectly fine. I'd be perfectly fine in real life if they traded him for two second-round picks because I'm thinking, you know, they open a slot for another defensive guy and they clear $4 million off the cap, you know? And that's – on some nights this year, you had $4 million sitting in the press box, you know? Uh, and this is not a knock on Robert Hag but Robert Hag was playing over him he was playing pretty good hockey but Shane Gasper's is making 4 million bucks like he he's paid to be a good player and he's not he's not a good player so wasn't he a third round pick as well so i figured you know i got two two second round picks for a guy that got drafted in the second round i have two chances to pick a better player in this year and next you know that was kind of my thinking around the Shane Goss' spirit deal there.
2: Yeah, no, it totally makes sense to me too. I think it's cool that we had three flyers people on, on this mock draft and it was just interesting kind of getting the perspective of, of everybody else in that mock draft and, and kind of where they came from. Yeah. Um, I think there was what, like a Minnesota wild uh, guy. And I think there was a couple of guys based in Toronto too. And, and it was pretty interesting getting their take on it, but, if they, who also write for other websites, think that bear is is really a, a solid player still, it makes you wonder kind of, you know, is is there really a market out there? I mean, there's part of me that says like that Chuck Fletcher kind of in his, you know, end of the trade deadline comments was like, yeah, it was never a thought in my head to trade Shane bear. I don't know. I don't know how true it is. GMs do this kind of stuff all the time, and he wouldn't tell you if he did, anyways, because that would be rude and disrespectful to the player. But um, you know, it makes you wonder. It like what kind of market is there for this guy? And I know I've seen people out there on Twitter saying, you know what, it's not very high. Um, And I understand that part of it. But then when you interact with other people in this mock draft, you kind of wonder, like, hey, other people in other markets seem to think that you know name recognition they they like them still maybe you can get something for them
1: that's a very interesting point there and i failed to look from that perspective if if guys in other cities are still high on ghost yeah very 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 interesting maybe they can get more for them we can kind of transition a little bit here should the flyers target players with longer development times in the upcoming draft. And, and Ted, this was a topic that you brought up in the chat before the show, so I'll, I'll let you start with this.
0: Yeah, I thought that they should do that because the pipeline is pretty full with players, even with like Proveroff, Sanheim, Myers, all graduating and um, being NHL contributors now. I was thinking, I mean, always keeping best player available in mind, that um, targeting European players and players who are going the college route in the early, mid-rounds, late rounds would be a smart asset management decision um, going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think I kind of agree with that. Manny, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, It's an interesting idea. I mean, certainly we've got players already in the system that – Aren't ready yet, but they should be in, you know, another year or two. Like, especially on defense, when you look at Zamula, when you look at, um, oh, geez, my brain just froze.
1: Wiley, York. Uh,
2: Cam York. Yeah, like the Phantoms are going to be loaded with a brand new defense core uh, next year. Like, it's it's quite striking how many young players are going to be on there now. So if the rumor of, of Kalanuk is true, that he's turning pro and he's going to join the Phantoms... I mean, you're going to have Kalanuk, you're going to have Wyatt Wiley, you're going to have Cam York. Well, sorry, not Cam York. Igor Zamula and, you know, joining, joining, you know, that's three right there. That's half your defense. It has changed over. Like that's going to be a huge turnover. And And those guys, it's not like it's just one year and you're done. I think it's going to be a process. You know, maybe the following year, York turns pro. I think that would be likely and then he'll, he'll go to, you know, Lehigh Valley, but you know, will Zamula be ready after one year of AHL hockey? I don't know. I don't think so. Not if, not if he doesn't gain some weight, because he's going to, he's got that big frame, but I want to see him get, you know, really husky and be able to throw that weight around real good. Um, you know, we have other guys in the system too. I mean, Rupsov still around, he's taking his time. Um, in the last two weeks, I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter about how people are surprised that they, that Flyers are not using Ruptsov on the wing, which I and they're talking about how much better he is on the wing compared to center. And you know, this is kind of like brand new to me because I don't know. I'm just kind of been disappointed with him overall. And then you look at the guys like the J. O'Briens, who's literally it's going to be at least another two years. You know, maybe three but before you see him in uh, in the National Hockey League. So I mean, we already got guys that are that are in waiting, and they're, and you're gonna take some time to kind of stir uh, sizzle in the pot. But y- you can never go wrong with a little mix of both. I, I wouldn't mind it if the if the Flyers did take uh, a little bit of a. Uh, a a gamble with a couple of guys uh, that that could take a little bit longer, as long as they're willing to be patient. And certainly on defense, they can be as patient as they want because spots are not going to be available anytime soon.
1: What what was your analogy in in the last show, Manny? I know we were talking about goalies. You were were calling them cactuses.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. And then (laughs) the time before the analogy was wine.
1: Yeah. So we have the defensemen are, are like wine and the goalies are like cactuses. So, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty good. So, but so, Ted, do you think, and do you have any specific players in mind that you think they should be targeting for uh, these longer development periods?
0: Yes, um, there are a couple players, mostly defensemen. Um, but yeah, the um, even even Powell, he's a right-handed defenseman on the United States national team development program. He's Committed to Boston College. Um, he's about 5'10, 511, 165 pounds, so he's got to get bigger and stronger. Oh. But um right now, what will translate is how fast he processes the game, how well he can pass and receive passes, and um just the way he thinks his hockey sense is just kind of jumps off the page, even on a team with Jake Sanderson. and um, He's one of the guys who I'm thinking that maybe they should target. Uh, another player is Wyatt Kaiser. He played about 11 games for the Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL earlier in the year, and that team was one of the best teams like from start to finish. He only played 11 games because he knew that the team has so much defensive depth that he wouldn't be getting regular playing time so he went back to uh his high school team andover in minnesota and he played the rest of the year there and the games that i saw him at the beginning of the year at least and at the end of the year sort of the minnesota high school tournament his skating ability is outstanding i mean it's above average for nhl skaters right now So as a defenseman, that's a very big deal, Um, just being able to use your skating and have that kind of weapon. It's one of those things where in the middle of the draft, early middle part of the draft, you kind of look for players who have one really great skill and then try to mold them to add more uh, dimensions to their game in addition to making their best skill even better. So you have Wyatt Kaisers, another guy, and someone else who I've watched quite a bit recently is Mitchell Miller. He's a right shot defenseman for the Tri-City Storm at the USHL. He kind of reminds me of um, Rangers pick last year, Zach Jones, they, when he was in the USHL. Very good skater and pretty good offensive abilities. So I just think that, Targeting these particular players would be a smart move. There are some other players who I kind of need to get more viewings on over in Europe. Yeah, the guys that I have watched, those are the people who I hope are on the Flyers draft board.
1: Okay. and What kind of, I don't know if I'm putting you on a spot here, what rounds do you see some of these names going in?
0: I could see um, Eamon Powell, third, fourth round, which would make some sense. I think that at some point, the the Flyers are going to add a third-round pick somehow with a player trade or something. I don't think they're going to go 50-some picks without a pick in a pretty decent uh, draft. Wyatt Kaiser, probably in the same range, third, fourth round. And uh, Mitchell Miller, he could be a late second-round pick, and it wouldn't be a bad pick either. We need more
2: Wyatt's. We need more yes. Wyatts. We need all of the Wyatts. We will draft <laughs> all, all of the Wyatts. Therefore, we will have the best Wyatt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you put out an interesting tweet the other day, Ted, about how the Flyers have a lot of uh, same same first-letter players and first and last names. Mitch Miller would be another guy.
0: Exactly, yeah. you got to keep up the tradition. <laughs>
1: yeah. They do have a lot of those guys, don't they? Wyatt Wiley, Mason Millman, Roddy Ross... Who am I missing out? There's more.
0: Bryce Radzinski, Bobby Brink.
1: There you go. It is. It is pretty interesting. So they could draft a wide, or they sh- they could draft another uh, a Mitch Miller guy, same letter, same letters, uh, different name type guy. <coughs> Excuse me. So we did touch on Wyatt Kalanuck potentially playing for the Phantoms next year. What kind of? What have? What did you hear about that type? Because I I've yet to see anything official. But it sounds like he will be playing with the Phantoms.
0: I think he might be playing with the Phantoms. I mean, what is officially confirmed is that Wisconsin's head coach, Tony Granado, said that Wyatt Kalanick is turning pro, which, mm. I mean, it seems like a good thing uh, from the Flyers' perspective, but there's kind of a lot of gray area there, turning pro does that mean he's going to wait to become a free agent so he can play for whichever team he wants? Or is he just letting everybody know he's going pro and within the next week or so he's going to sign an ELC with the Flyers? So it's a bit confusing, actually.
1: And we know that wasn't Tony Granato an assistant coach with the Penguins a few years back?
2: I'm not sure. I think he was an assistant coach. I don't remember the team.
1: I feel like it was when. Uh, do you remember when? Uh, I can't remember the head coach's name now, but when Laviolette and Pittsburgh's head coach were going back and forth on the on the bench, and Laviolette oh, up on the bench.
2: Yeah, by the way, yeah.
1: wasn't it Granado yeah. that was kind of yelling at Laviolette there and all that? If I can remember correctly,
2: it might have been because I thought I saw, I saw that clip. Uh, here we go. Coaching career. So he started with the Avalanche as an assistant uh then he went yeah he went to Pittsburgh uh, 2009 to
1: 2014 oh wow he was there for a lot longer than I thought yeah so I, I I don't think he's got any bad blood towards the Flyers but I wonder if he just you know it could be yeah he's going to turn pro I don't know when or for who but he's going to be a pro someday that would be, <laughs> <laughs> be a dick move wouldn't it like knowing that he's a Flyers prospect so that is I think it is something I, I, I think he would be making the right decision playing pro hopefully with the phantoms next year i don't see the it seems counterintuitive to his development for him to stay another season in wisconsin doesn't it
0: yeah because there's one the team i doubt is going to be much better i mean they have cole caulfield and dylan holloway good players mind you but there isn't much else and Until they actually get a goalie who can stop the puck, none of the rest of it matters. They're terrible goaltending (laughs) for years. So I'm glad that he decided to turn pro because, I mean, that team, I don't think they're going to be any good next year.
1: And, And I'm hearing that he improved more and more throughout the course of his junior season. So, like, I don't know, man let's go take the bump because if I if I remember correctly he's a little bit on the older side Isn't he like 22 23'll be 23 yeah, he, 24 when he comes up
0: yeah he turned 23 in April so yeah a little on the older side but it would be great to see him compete with Zamula and Wiley for prime playing time in all situations with the fans
1: you know that's a that's a really good point because and I think it starts kind of at the top here. What we have with Elaine Vigneault is he's kind of bred healthy competition for the Flyers roster, you know, and not just handing guys like Farabee and Frost roster spots. Let that trickle down to the Phantoms. You know, let, let, let him fight out for playing time with Zamula and, and Wiley and, uh, and and York eventually. Let him let them play down there. Let them learn from each other. Let them let them bond and whatnot. I think he's absolutely doing himself a disservice by waiting around with Wisconsin for a year. So hearing he's going pro, hopefully it's with the, with the flyers and hopefully it's, it's soon. I think, he, I think that could be a, a plus move for Kalanok. He was a seventh round pick, right? Yep. If if they could get something out of anything, if he, if he, even if he ends up being a seventh defenseman, you know, I think that's, it, it ends up being a great pick for sure. Any any last thoughts there?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I know that he's uh, yeah. Ted mentioned that he, if he waits 30 days, he could be a free agent, but oh. I mean, what's the, like you're not going to be compensated more financially. Your ELC is your ELC. Um, so it's going to be the same money. Uh, I, I don't see him cracking an NHL lineup right now. Um, so he's going to be in the AHL anyway, the, pretty much wherever he goes, except for Detroit, oh. probably, um, you know, I don't know what the what the point would be to, you know, test the free agent waters. I don't know. I'm more of a loyal guy, so I think that the team that calls your name at the draft, uh, you know, table that that's 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 who you should go to. And I think he would get every opportunity to be, you know, on the first power play unit in Lehigh Valley. And um, you know, I could see a pairing with him and Zamulish certainly that would be a uh, pretty interesting to watch. It would certainly be an improvement over what we saw with the Phantoms this year. Oh yeah. Big time.
1: Almost hard not to improve. I, I'm excited to watch the fit. I was excited to watch them this year. I'm excited to to see what they do again now next year with this. You know, they have an even more influx of talent, more so on the back end now. They're going to be interesting to see how they come together. And I can't wait for the Flyers. Uh, what did I miss, guys? Because I, I know that we had one more topic we wanted to cover. Did I Did I leave something out?
2: Was it the Lindros thing? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Jim, you stabbed me in the heart.
1: (laughs) So here's what it was. Ready? So I think we're all around the same age, right? How old are you guys? 32.
2: 39.
1: Okay, I'm 33. So we grew up watching Eric Lindros, right? We grew up during, you know, the Legion of Doom era. And if I think back to, like, when I was little, who did I watch on TV? All that pops into my mind the first player that pops into my mind is eric lindros and you know everybody else is a very 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 far second for me like oh yeah and john leclerc oh yeah and ron hextall or oh yeah michael rinberg was on the legion of doom if like i'm being honest everybody takes a backseat to eric lindros for me so i forget why it came up but throughout the course of one of the hw shows I I wondered, would I be as big a Flyers fan as I am right now if Eric Lindros never played for the Flyers? Because he's who captivated me. He's the reason why I watched the Flyers every single night. You know, it was for Eric Lindros. So I can't remember exactly why I thought about that, but it just made me wonder a little bit. And I'll ask you guys, like, Ted, I'm going to ask you first, since we're pretty much the same age. If Lindros didn't play for the Flyers in the 90s, like who would you remember watching, and would you be as big a fan as you are now, do you think?
0: I'd probably be um, a bigger Leclerc fan than I am now. Not that I didn't like him a lot, but um, without uh, Lindros, I'd probably... I'd still be a big fan of the Flyers, but he, he was just incredible, Lindros. I mean, I, I, I've never seen a player like him before impact the game at so many different levels at such a high level. And, um, I mean, I've, I've heard people talking about how Tom Wilson is, like, Lindros-esque. And it's just like, no, he's not. He's nowhere close. Lindros was with the Flyers one of the best players that I have ever seen. It was, he was incredible. He was a psycho. He was (laughs) skilled. He could skate. He had it all. And um, I still would have been a Flyers fan if they never got him, but probably not as big of a hockey fan, just in general, if they never got him because he just opened up the world of hockey to me
2: at a very young age.
1: I think we're maybe kind of in the same boat there, Manny. You're a little bit older, so I'm curious uh, to hear your perception here, or your opinion.
2: Oh, Lindros was the game changer. Lind Lindros brought me to to be a Flyers fan. Seeing him dominate and and make such an impact as a rookie, and he had it all. He can run you over. He can kill you with kindness or he can kill you along the boards, or he can kill you by scoring the goal. And, you know, that was a guy that I, I'd never seen quite a package uh, like that before. I, I kind of roved around because I always hated the Leafs. Growing up, everybody's Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs made me sick. They were so terrible throughout the 80s. And, and <laughs> you know, it, it, like it was laughable. Um, all the all the things that would happen, you know, trading a 50 goal score for a goon, for a fighter. Um, like, I mean, terrible stuff with the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and every every single time oh don't worry next year we're winning the cup boy dude make the playoffs first like you guys have been terrible for like how many years and then I went through a phase where I kind of liked uh, you know I, I watched the Calgary Flames for a little bit when they won their cups their their cup sorry and then Pavel Bure exploded onto the scene and he was a hell of a player too but Lindros had everything and there's no way that I'd be a Flyers fan if it wasn't for Eric Lindros. I mean, Eric Lindros just made everybody better. I mean, John Leclerc started with the Habs, and he was a third-line player. Sure, he scored a couple of good overtime goals in the you know, in the Montreal's Cup run in 93. But um, you know what? Lindros made him a 50-goal man. Like, not once, but twice. Um, you know, he, he made Michael Renberg – you know even better than what he was like my, he made everybody better like he just had such an impact on the game and and even when he gets knocked out of games it makes a huge impact as well i mean we he's he's just an enigma i'm just glad that he's back with the flyers and, and that that they've kind of mended fences because it really wasn't the same when, when you know, you they'd always have these you know little award ceremonies and and remembering certain teams and things and and Lindros was never there because of the bad blood between you know his dad and Bobby Clark and you know medical staff and and the concussions and oh, it was just a mess. Like I'm, I'm so glad that he's back because he is an orange and black man forever. There's, there's no way that Peter Forsberg would have, would have captured me the same way that Eric Lindros did. There's no way. See,
1: I wonder that too, because I, like I said, I brought that up in one of the HW episodes and that was one of the first things that, that Jack and Kyle said was, well, Peter Forsberg would have captivated me the same way. I'm like, Peter Forsberg was a very, Good hockey player. One of the best all-time, sure. But he wasn't Eric Lindros. He just wasn't. He wasn't the same player. Like like you said, Manny Lindros could beat you up. You know, he could play the game the right way. He could score goals. He could literally do everything. He was a monster. Forsberg, I'm not taking anything away from Forsberg. I was a huge Peter Forsberg fan. But, like, Eric Lindros is just larger than life to me. Like, I think on the show... Like I, I said something like, yeah, everyone has their favorite flyer, and I don't even think to say Eric Lindros because it's kind of like by default, like he's everybody's favorite flyer. Oh, of course, of course, Eric Lindros. So who's my next favorite flyer? Favorite flyer, you know? I, I just thought it was an interesting question, and and I wondered it mostly for myself. Would I be as big a Flyers fan as I would be now if I didn't grow up watching a guy like Eric Lindros? So just interesting to hear your guys' perspectives, and and if you guys are listening to the show, feel feel free to uh, comment on on the link when we share the episode. You know, drop drop your thoughts on on would you be as big a Flyers fan now if it wasn't for Lindros? It's it's just interesting to hear perspectives. That's all. There's no right or wrong answer. No one's going to yell at you for not being a, as big a Flyers fan as the next guy or whatever. Just honest thoughts. I you know we all gave you ours, and uh, some interesting thoughts there. Thanks for sharing those guys.
2: Like, like if you if you really think about it, like this is a kid, you know, who had the world eating out of his, the hockey world eating out of his hands as a junior, playing with the Oshawa Generals, dominating the OHL because he's he's bigger than everybody else, he's running over everybody, and then for imagine right now, Alexei Lafreniere telling the Detroit Red Wings, you know what? Don't bother taking me because <laughs> I ain't going to you guys. Period. I'm gonna go somewhere else. I mean, can you? I mean can you like the audacity of of a player that that would do that and like that's what eric lindros did he told the quebec nordiques i'm not playing for you so you might as well go pick somebody else or or trade the pick because i'm not going to you like that's ballsy like that's really gutsy And, and a lot of gms would take that the wrong way and kind of rightfully so but i think it also shows you a really confident player who knows the type of player that he is and he knows what kind of impact he's going to make on his team.
1: Oh yeah. Ted, do you have anything you want to add in there before we uh, wrap up tonight?
2: Uh, No,
0: man. Um, I think we covered a lot of our bases.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was a information packed show. Another fun one. So if there's nothing else, thanks guys for hanging out. Uh, Ted, why don't you throw your Twitter handle out there? And if you have anything you would like to promote, feel free.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, my Twitter handle is that guy one one nine two zero. I write for philly last word on sports and, um, the puck 30. I'm hoping to put out something relatively soon on, um, a tracking project on Mason Millman.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to that one. Manny, where can people find you on Twitter and what do you have to promote?
2: Uh, You guys can find me at Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, Benavides, B-E-N-E-V-I-D-E-S. And you can always find my articles on brotherlypuck.com. My latest one is uh, just looking at some of the significant RFAs that are going to be out there whenever this season gets underway and gets over with. Um, And kind of looking at the cap situation. And uh, I kind of took... Uh, the information from cap friendly and and their projections still were at uh, a cap of 84 million for next year so i had to uh, take off a couple million bucks to get to 81 and a half and just saw which teams were kind of uh up against it and in a bit of a cap crunch and um you know i'd like to promote on a related note uh next week i should be on sharks tank and i'm going to be promoting pitching the sharks on gatorade infused with hydroxychloroquine i think that'll be perfect to get the nhl back on track what do you guys think wait what the hell
1: (laughs) i'm like is this a shark like are you going to be on a sharks podcast but you're actually
2: mean the show (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes no i'm not on the show although that's a hell of an idea wouldn't it be yeah yeah if anybody you take it i'm suing you (laughs) (laughs) anybody tries that we know you listen so all
1: right, well, if, uh, if we have nothing else, you guys can find me at, at JimLikeHW on Twitter, putting new stuff out, new new episodes out, a couple shows a week. We have an HW episode out this week, uh, an anything but hockey episode I, I did with Kelly the other day, just came out today. And yeah, look for my stuff on Puck Pros, and if there's nothing else, we'll wrap up. Everybody stay safe, and we'll talk soon.